Thank you so much for your prayers for me. The last, seemed like two months about this cough I've had, it seems like it's about 95% gone. So uh, we're making progress. It's taken longer than I would have chosen, but I do appreciate you asking and praying and uh, just uh, uh, being there with me. Uh, and uh, I'm thankful I'm, I'm far better, although you never know when I, I might add to the fray a little bit. But I want to say thank you for being here this morning. I uh, would like to talk about being a holy people. I've been talking about the last three Sundays, connecting to God's power, connecting to the heart of God. And how is it that we can be a people in 2022 who sense God's presence? You know, some of you would say to me today, you know, back in such and such a time in my life, I really felt God's Spirit. Some of you might say a year ago or in your life, you sense God speaking to you. And some of you might say, you know, I've, I don't know that I've ever really felt that close to God. Well, you know, it's my desire as a Christian and as a pastor to sense the reality of God's presence in my life and everything I do. And I'm thankful that God gives us the Holy Spirit to do that. You know, without the Holy Spirit, I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible to sense and hear and be led by God unless we are tuned in to the Holy Spirit of God. And we are waiting and watching and anticipating and looking for it. I don't think it just happens because we're good people. It doesn't just happen because we come to church on Sundays or we're involved in different ways. It, it doesn't happen except for an internal sense of seeking God's Spirit and listening for Him. So the first Sunday we were together, it was about listening to God's Spirit that God wants a church of people who are listening for Him and actively seeking Him, listening. Jesus said He loved the church and gave Himself up for it. Jesus loves this church. He loves the whole church in general, the ecclesia. And He loves this part of the church too. And He cares about the Mifflinburg church and our place in the body of Christ and our influence in this community. He calls to the church to be a church that is listening to him. We also talked about being a church that is passionately following what Christ says, a discipling church, a church that says, yes, I need to listen to what Jesus says. I need to read his stories. I need to dwell on his parables. I need to hear his miracles, and I need to understand what the cross is about. It's not just a good story for once a year. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power that gives power to your life to live the Christian life. God wants a church of people who are passionate, focused, faithful in following Jesus. 
Last week we talked about being a church of prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. You've heard that many, many times. And it's so true. It's true today that if we will humble ourselves and pray, we will hear from heaven. Oh God, help us to be a praying church. This morning I want to turn to a fourth area. They, of course, are all related closely. I want to talk this morning about being a holy church, about holiness, about purity, about what goes on on the inside of who we are and how that is lived out. A holy church, a unique church. I believe God wants this collection of people wherever they are, to be unique. So that people outside of this group, especially those that do not have faith, can look at our lives and say, they are different. They see the world different. They care deeply about things that others might not care about. And they have a perspective that's looking to eternity in this life and what God has to say to them about the future. God wants us to be set apart as a church. God doesn't want us to be perfectly blended with this world. There's a part of the church that we say we want to be in the world but not of the world. And it's hard to know how to do that. Some people probably interpret the faith more toward being separate from the world. We have churches and Christians that are like that. And then there are people that claim to be Christians that you can't see any difference between how they live and other people. Somehow the Nazarene church and what I believe is somewhere in between that, somewhere, where we are in the world, but yet we've got to be different from the world. We've got to see the world different. Because if we're just like the world, how in the world can we possibly have an influence for Christ? And if we have no contact with the world, I don't know how we think that we're going to impact the world for Christ. But somehow as God's people, I believe my my approach to ministry and life is the church of the Nazarene is what I chose. And I believe God wants us to be different from the world, but to be active in the world. And that's really the main thing that I want to say this morning about holiness Sometimes you hear the word holiness and you think, well, that means that we have nothing to do with people or anything in the world or the other extreme. Holiness, as I believe God wants for the church, is what we're going to find in Matthew chapter 5 in a couple of minutes. And what Jesus said about the church in the world, what Jesus says to us, I'm reminded when I... Think about the holiness of the church, that sometimes the church has to stand out. Sometimes the church has to live in a way that they won't be liked by people in the world. As Christians, there will be people that will reject the church because rejecting the truth that I pray the church is holding on to deeply, holding on to with all that they are. 
But I want to say also of the church that God has a special place for it. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, there's a scripture that is so beautiful about the Old Testament church, but it's also true about the church today. It says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. You realize that you are a people, a church, this church is a holy people to God. God sees us as holy, set apart, distinctive. God knows that for a church to be holy, it's got to be set apart. It's got to be different in some ways. It's got to be unique. So God has always seen his people as they're not going to be exactly like the rest of the world. In some ways, they'll be drastically different than the rest of the world. And in some ways, they'll be a lot like the rest of the world. But we're to be different. We're to be unique. What is it that God wants us to be unique about? I also know from this beautiful scripture that we are chosen by God. Chosen by God. Somehow, in the theology of what we believe about uh, God's uh, uh, foreknowledge and God's chosenness is that every person has been chosen by God, individually, known by God, sensed by God, chosen by God. God has chosen you. You're here this morning probably because you have within you a desire to be connected to God. I You know that God already has you in his mind and his heart, and he's chosen you. He's already given you his prevenient grace, or the grace that goes before to draw you here, to draw you to him. I mean, you're here because there's something inside of you that you you have a hunger for God. You might not know how to live it out or what that really means, but you know that God is real. And that God has chosen you, this scripture says. Every one of you. He has a plan for you where you're at, your age, male or female, young or old, employed, single, family, whatever it is, God has a specific plan for you because you are his people. You are his people and he knows you individually. We've talked so many times about how God knows you. He knows your name. He knows the hair on your head. Psalm 139 says he knows every day of your life before one of them come to be. How can he do that? He's your God, and he wants you to be his people. Here's another term that is in this precious scripture. You are God's treasured possession. Wow, treasured possession. That's what God, that isn't me writing this. It's great. I mean, it's just great words. But it's not me. It's not Moses. It's not a man. It's God speaking here. For you are my treasured possession. Do you know that you are a treasured possession by God? Whether you have made a lot of mistakes in your life or you've lived a pretty good life, you're God's treasured possession. That's how he feels about you. That's how he feels about the church. You are God's treasure. There's another verse in the Bible that caught my attention a long time ago that, that says, you are the poema of God. You probably recognize that word. 
You are the poem of God. That's a beautiful passage. Do you know that God describes you as his poem? Wow. And I was never into writing a whole lot of poetry. Or... But can you imagine God and his creativity? And, and that word that has become our word for poems says you are the poem of God. Do you think that that means you're important to God? Oh, it, it is in such a powerful way. And that's the God who says in 1 Peter chapter 1, But just as he who called you is holy, be ye holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. God is a holy God. And he wants you as his treasured possession. And he cares about everything in your life. A holy church believes deeply in the connectedness of God to them. Holy people, I don't mean holy rollers or holy in name, but I mean holy people know how treasured they are by God. And they embrace that. And they're thankful for that. And they want to live to please God. They don't want to make God happy because if they don't, God will punish them somehow. They want to live for God because God is holy. And a loving God is, is watching over them and he wants them to be holy too. This is God's will. Holy people. I want to read today from Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Could I invite you, if you have a Bible, to read that? I'm going to read the first 16 verses and then focus on verses 13 through 16. But I think the first... 12 are important too when we think about the holiness of God. This is Jesus teaching in his great, great teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. And I said how we got to, we need to so importantly listen to what Jesus says. Listen to these words. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There's so many things in this Sermon on the Mount to me that speak about holiness and speak about the kind of church that God wants us to be. I want to start with the last part that we read in this passage. 
A holy church is a church that understands the power of its light and understand that God wants that church to be a light where it is. A holy church is made up of people who understand how important their influence is. They understand that there are people who will be watching. Young people, middle-aged people, older people who will be watching the church to see what it is and what it really believes about Jesus. Holiness. Lights that shine for God. I, it's a church that believes. It lives out God's truth in a way that's intentional. Holy people are not ashamed to be called a Christian. Holy people are not bashful. Holy people are not bashful about what they really believe. They live it out because they really believe it. And they want to be pleasing to the God that calls them to be holy. God wants a church that joyfully lets its light shine. God wants a church that says, yes, I I understand what Jesus says. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. God wants a holy church where our light shines. And we know that and we embrace that and we're not ashamed of that and we're not afraid of that. We don't back away from that. We live and we believe and we live out the holiness of God in a way that says to people, I'm proud to be called God's child. I'm proud to be a part of his treasured possession. I'm proud that God loved me so much that he gave his son for me to live out of faith that people can look at and say, I know what they believe. I think one of the problems with a Christian church today is people on the outside for so much of of the world today, they look at the church and they're really not sure what the church believes. They might not really be sure what we believe because we are very busy and we have a lot of things to think about. We have a lot of priorities out there that seemingly are just fine and right and people look at the church oftentimes and they wonder what really does the church believe what does it believe about priority what does it believe about living hearts that are are shying away from anything that displeases God is it a church that has joy I think sometimes people look at the church and they think why would I want to be a part of a church of people that are frowning all the time about life and complaining Why could I possibly connect to a God whose people, whose church are always complaining, unhappy, life rotten for them? God wants us to be a light that shines brightly with joy and excitement. I want to be able to tell people, I love Jesus. I love God. I'm doing my best to live the life that he wants to. This is what God's saying to me. This is where I've messed up, but God is helping me. The world needs to see a a passionate church who loves God with all that we are, and we're not afraid of that. We're not ashamed of that. God wants us to be a church that thinks about our light. Have you thought much about your light as a Christian and what it looks like? 
And you think about the people that you influence, your circle of influence around you. What, what would they say about your Christianity? What would they say about your faith? Somebody'd say, "Well, that Wayne Krell, you know." What do you think Wayne really believes about God? I you wonder what would people say based on my life. What about you? What about your coworkers? If you just pick somebody up, coworker, and say, "Okay, um, let me ask you." think I really believe in my heart about God? What would they say? What about your friends at school? Your friends? I mean, people you're, you're kind of close to, you know, what, what would they think? What about your family members? What do they really think about your faith and how you live that out? Do you have that sense of joy, that sense of honoring God with all that you are? And, and they see that and they love that. A holy church is a church that can be seen for its light. God help our church to be a church of light. A holy church also guards its heart. The scripture that I'm thinking about from Proverbs chapter 4 that I read at the beginning of the service, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You know, I know we don't work on memorization very often, so I... I guess I'm going to ask you to do something out of the comfort zone probably. If you're age 3 through 25, I want you to say above all else. Let's try it. Go ahead. Above all else. Okay, again, real loud. Most of you are up here, a few out there. Go ahead one more time. Thank you. All right. If you're between the ages of 25 and 50, I want you to say guard your heart. That was a little louder. Okay, if you're above 50, can you say, for everything you do flows from it? Boy, apparently I didn't divide the ages quite right. Anyway. <laughs> okay, young people, I need you to holler it out. All right, go ahead. Above all else, I'm not below 25. Above all else. Okay, the next group. And the next group. All right, let's just do it all together. All right, let's try that. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. That's point number two. Point number one today is what about our light as the holy people of God? What do people see in us? What do they see? And the second thing is the importance of guarding your heart. Everything you do flows from it. Your heart and your mind. I kind of think of them together. There's some distinctions, but I'm thinking of them together this morning. Your heart and your mind. What you think is so important to God. What you think. What you hold on to. What you focus on. What you dwell on what you allow yourself to grab onto and kind of runs your car, you know. It's like the engine in your car. Whatever it is that you choose to focus on, your whole life will be that. Everything you do flows from it. So be careful about your heart. Be careful about what's in there and how it gets there. What you allow your mind to take in and, and focus 
Holy people are careful about that. They do understand there's a difference between holy and unholy. I mean, they, they recognize that some things are wonderful and holy to God, and they're marvelous. But they also understand that there's a lot of thinking out there that's not. And it's not from God. And so they reject that and turn away from it. Philippians chapter 4 just gives us a, a little understanding. It says, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things. Let your mind be full of the good things of God. The voices that you listen to will become your worldview. If you listen to holy voices, that will be your worldview. And if you listen to unholy voices, that will be your worldview. I put in my search this week uh, evening programs on TV. I just took a few off the the internet look up when it came on there. I don't even watch TV except Buckeyes, you know. But you be the judge. I know there's good stuff on TV. There's no doubt about that. What do you allow your mind to take in? What are you charging your mind with? What are you putting into that? The voices, and there are many of them, the voices you listen to becomes your world view. I said that before, didn't I? Here it is again. The voices you listen to become your world view. What about books? There's a lot of books out there, and there's a lot of good books. I happened to purposefully do this this week. I went to Walmart when I was doing some shopping, and I, I wanted to walk through the book aisle, so I did. So I did. I looked to my right, and I looked to my left. I took about 20 pictures they had a section of Bibles. That was really nice. They had some. I found two Christian books. I hope people are reading them. A couple other good books that look like. And unfortunately, I saw about 150 that I would not think. I didn't read them, but I just from the cover and the title and the description, I'm thinking, wow. Bestsellers all over the place. Should they be a bestseller for a holy person who desires God's Spirit within them to speak to them? You know, I spent about 15 minutes in that aisle. The voices you listen to becomes your worldview. I know, I think I already said that, didn't I? And then there were more books. I am so disgusted with the occult. 
you think that comes from? Where do you think that stuff comes from? Where do you think the, the horror movies come from? I'm picking on Walmart today. But really what I want to say to you, the voices you listen to become your worldview. So I finally got out of the book aisle and I started down and, oop, and then I saw it. A big bin of movies. And I went on past that one. There's another big bin of movies. Thought, oh, 390 or 374 per movie. I don't even have to have TV. I don't have, I mean, I don't have cable, so I don't even have, I can just watch all it. Oh, I go over very casual. I look through there. I'm pulling through all these titles. You know, a lot of shoot 'em up stuff and romance stuff and all kinds of things, occult stuff. And man, I found I found one down the bottom. Almost, I was sorting. I wasn't that full. The other one, I found heaven is for real. I thought, wow, isn't that nice? The voices you listen to will become your worldview. Whether you're 11 or 14 or 19 or 26 or more like me, you know, a little bit older, the voices you listen to will become your worldview. What kind of church does God want? Are we talking about legalism here? No. Are we talking about everybody's got to look at everything the same way and you better do it the way I do or you better do what the preacher says? No. The question is, do you want to be a part of a holy church? Do you want to be a holy Christian? Only you can decide that for you. I can't decide for you. You can't decide for me. Man, these are just a few of many types of things we could talk about. My goodness, I, I had so many things in my notes today. There's no way that I could. I took something out and I'm going to put it back in for a couple of minutes. Pornography. It's a real problem in our world. You just put in any website and ask how many men look at pornography in our country. You'll get all kinds of estimates. I did that a little bit this week and I, I was astonished with the number of hits that this one website said that men in America how often they hit one of their websites. I can't count that high. And I know that our sexuality is so important to us. God gave us that gift. And it's an incredible gift. Something to be cherished and honored and, and given to God. Because His plan is the best. Man, it produces the most. It gives us the most beautiful life we can possibly have. 
But Satan will take it and has taken it and he will create such ugliness within the heart and struggle and pain and hopelessness. I want to say that two men from our church family has come and talked to me in the last six months about pornography and and their struggle. We've been able to talk. And I found what I thought was a, a very good book to help talk about the struggle with pornography. And I got some extra copies. I realize that pornography is, for many men, is, is, is a struggle. And I just want to say, if you're here today, and, and to be real honest, I'm struggling with it. I just want you to know God cares about that. God wants to help you. And you you can find God's Word and God's help in the midst of that. I've seen that. I've seen God help. And He cares deeply about that. I know for some people that's their struggle. can be the struggle. Again, the voices you listen to will become your worldview. I was also going to talk about a couple of other areas. I'll just mention one and I'll bring it to a close. Dating someone who's not a Christian. Dating outside of God's perfect will. You have needs that are so deep and strong. And you have desires that are normal and healthy. But God tells us if we are unequally yoked with an unbeliever, it will bring pain and problems and hurts. God can help you if you're struggling in that area of your life. He cares deeply about that. He cares deeply about your needs and your struggles and your desires. And, oh, He loves you so much. I said earlier, you're His treasured possession. You're His chosen people. If you're struggling in this area or any other area, there's so many more we could talk about today. I just want you to know that the God who sees you as His treasured possession wants to help you. Help you to be a holy person. Help you to be a person who is on fire for God and and everything is is cleansed so that you don't need to feel ashamed. You don't need to feel like, oh, I, I can never live up to being a holy person. God can help make you holy. The one who is holy is able to help make you holy because He can come in and cleanse. He can take away those things in your heart and your life. Do you want to be a holy person? Do you want to be a part of a holy church? Lord God, help every one of us to give that part of our hearts to You, everything in our heart, so that He can cleanse us. He can take those things and make them new and cleansed again. Passion, focus, faithfulness. God, help us to be a holy church. Would you stand, please, as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today that your eye is on the church. Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for it. I'm thankful today that there's not a single thing that goes on in our lives that you don't see and you don't understand. And you love your church. You love your people. God, when we struggle, 
you, you have a way to help us, help us in our marriages, help us in our families, help us with our decisions, help us with our weaknesses. And God, help us to understand how important the light is that it would shine for you. God, help us to, to see our lives as Jesus described in Matthew chapter 5, that we are a light on a hill. And you want us to let that light shine for you. Help us to know how to do that. Help us to embrace that and desire to be connected to the power of God, I pray. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless. Amen. Pray.